Welcome to episode 64 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. And a little depressed Matt Cassell. Welcome back, everyone. It is July 14th, Monday night, rainy night. And it's after another rainy night. Queensryche. True. Queensryche. That gets radio play, or, so it wasn't that deep, was it? Or it's I love a little rainy deep. night. It's a little. It's high. another rainy night. Any rabbit. Oh no, it's another rainy night. Without I'm only happy when it rains. Garbage. Oh, without you. Blame it on the rain. Oh, Milly Vanilli. Purple rain. Oh, singing in the rain. <laughs> Songs about rain. Gary Allen. Rain man. A movie. Not a song at all. <laughs> So on this rainy Monday night, we're going to have a little dealy chili, a little dealer's choice for the listening audience. They always like the dealy and the chili. Comic book news is a little slow lately. Comic-Con's in a couple weeks. Everyone's saving their choice tidbits. So um, we might make up some stuff tonight. We might talk about some real stuff tonight. But first, housekeeping with Ian Sharpling. I like how we might make up some stuff tonight as opposed to every other podcast when we make up all of our facts and then correct ourselves. The next episode. Yes. Or while we're listening back, we're like, oh no, I sound like an idiot again. <laughs> Shit. If you missed us last week, don't worry. We're back and better than ever this week. You can go to mixsauce.com, check out the reviews, the strip, the podcast on Wednesdays. Right and early, go to McSauce Facebook page, check out some of the things that we post there. You can be updated on all the things that happen on the actual site. You can leave us messages, you can talk to us one-on-one. It's all all good fun, all good, good times there on the Facebook page. Are we all on there uh, to talk to us one-on-one? You could probably do it. You have Facebook, right? You're I, a... Mm-hmm. Person that in social media, and you have. I've heard of it. Yeah, you can't talk to Paul, but that's okay. We'll pass along the messages. Be a big game of telephone. Thank you. You're welcome. Go to the iTunes Store and leave us a review and rate us. We haven't had any kind of rating or review in a while, so that would help out. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. You can also download the show on Podomatic. I'd say probably in a month or two we'll be moving to Libsyn.com. But as for now, you can still get the show on Podomatic. Also, Stitcher Radio is a good place to stream the show if you're on the go. So those are the places you can find us. Leave us some feedback. Let us know what you think. I know some of you were angry that we didn't have a show last week, and we like that. So let us know uh, what you'd like to hear and... Things you'd like us to talk about, we're always open to suggestions. And this week would have been a good week to have some suggestions because we're just going to talk about um, whatever. I got one one more tidbit to housekeeping. Remember how we would always plug the Oaks Moonlit Matinees um, during the summer months? And then yes. they did the heel turn. And then they did the heel turn. I remember that. Well, we, if anything, we do, like we said at the top of the show, we like to be accurate with our facts, even if it is after the fact. Uh, So going back, we said that the Oaks was closing their doors. Not entirely true. That was the line that they told the former manager that they would be closing, but 
In actuality, they have hired a new manager oh, at the Oaks. The complete heel turn. Yeah, they have a new manager, and uh, they are actually still doing the moonlit matinees. Yeah. Those are still going on. Um, are they still the same are we, schedule? Are we re-supporting them again? We are not supporting them. Oh, okay. Well, I'll put this back. But, but we, we bashed them. An episode ago. We did. However, I will probably still go this weekend because I like the movie, but I'm not going to give them a plug. So if you guys are interested in seeing what movie that is, Google. Google it. Or just drive by. For any of the fans out there, if you have something to plug, we're always interested in hearing what you have to plug. So we'll, we'll plug. We'll plug anything. So send it along. Yeah. So anyway, I just want to make sure that our facts are correct. The Oaks... Even though we said they're closed, they are not closed. They are transitioning into some kind of live venue. Um, it, it sounds like it's going to be a trendier place where they're going to ha- sell uh, alcohol. There's going to be a bar there. There's going to oh, be that. tables out front. So they're going to do comedy acts, live music, plays, plus movies like during the summer months. Like So this turned now. into a more interesting place that we now have a vendetta against. Well, we have a vendetta against the way in which uh, this change was handled. Um, maybe in time, you know, time heals wounds, but for right now, um, they're, they're no friends of the McSauce comic book podcast. That's true. I don't have anything else. That's what are we going to talk about this week? Well, before we the started... Truth. Are we going to talk about the truth? Before we started recording... We were talking about the Brian Wood Star Wars series from Dark Horse that's coming to a close. Um, I thought last month was the final, the final issue. So confident was I that it was the final that I moved my Star Wars run to the final long boxes. The series ended long boxes in the basement. I.e. the dumpster. Only to go into the shop last week and see another fucking Star Wars book taking money out of my wallet. I am so envious of you for being able to be that current on your comic book organizational whatever. I am nothing if not a fastidious Daniel Tanner. Is that so? Everything... I.e. the worst dad. Everything in its place... Where the tidy? What you're basically telling me, you're the kind of guy where the rest of your family will convene in one of the girls' bedrooms to to kind of vent about what a psychopath you are about your organizational habits. Yeah, I guess. Let's rank those dads at Full House. (laughs) Uncle Jesse, clearly the top. I mean, even today we talk about Jesse and the Rippers. Joey had a TV show. With a puppet, uh, Woodchuck. Well, yeah, his name was Mr. Woodchuck. <laughs> was, is that what his name was? Mr. Ranger, Ranger Joe. Ranger Joe. Ranger Joe. Ranger Joe. And and there's another did, verse that I don't remember. And what did Danny Tanner have? A vacuum cleaner? He had a, he had a TV he show. He was the host of a... Good morning, he was Becky, right? Yeah, a local... Why did they all have to live together? And right there, that's where he fails. Why wasn't he banging Aunt Becky? Because he wasn't cool enough to be. He wasn't. He was a dipshit who organized things. That's where, that's where my expertise comes in handy. Because I can be neat 
like Uncle Danny or Dad Danny <laughs> and sexy like Uncle Jesse. Um, no, we're, we're, you can't have both. You can only be one. You're more I'm Danny sure. Tanner. I do have both. You No, you're more Danny Tanner. No way. Yes. Not even a little bit. See, I don't even Just have... because I organize my comic books on a weekly basis. That's not the end not of your... A Daniel Tanner. That's not the end of your OCD madness. I like stuff neat. <laughs> you know who else likes stuff neat? Danny Tanner. There you go. You know who likes hot 80s broads with big hair? Me and Uncle Jesse. And every other guy in the world. I don't know. It's a special... It's a special niche. It's really not. Like, do you still like that 80s effect... No, like I'm a, that I'm a I, I was never a fan of that. I was I think had I been older in the eighties, I would have been pissed off when hair went from sweet, long, straight seventies hair to, to big curly bushy hair. Yeah. I would have been jacked. So, but then it took a turn in the nineties where it's like, well we're not even gonna wash it. Fuck it. Right. And it was still big and pretty high in the nineties. I think in the in the two thousands is when everything started to all back in line. The 2000s kind of borrowed a page out of the 70s hair, where it was there was more natural hair going around, I think. Right, but no one yet has brought back the bush. <laughs> I knew we were going to end up going there. Mm-hmm. There's a trend in porno that's bringing that back, so I'm happy about it. Oh, pubic hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, it, but it's, still not, it's still not mainstream. Whatever porno site you visit, you're not going to get big bush yeah, right off the bat. I'm, I'm, you still gotta. You still gotta do a little cuts. Uh, I don't know. If you go to bigbush.com, that's probably <laughs> what you're gonna get right off. That's the, a, but that's, that's a specific a site. Yeah, yeah. If you go, if you go to your pick hunter, your free ones. Your Places bang, that we know every brothers. every single day. <laughs> you know, you check, you check your your Facebook. You look at your email, and you go to Bravo Teens. <laughs> that's a deep cut. How dare you? <laughs> well, you know it. I do. But, uh, yeah, so the aesthetic of women in mm-hmm. the 80s. This really took a turn. <laughs> it really did. So, Star Wars book. Oh, is that where we were at? That's what we were talking about. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars book, it started off with great promise. It looked like it was going to be really good. It was going to be a throwback to the old series. It was going to have you know, the same tone. And it did for a couple issues. And then Brian Wood, like... We've discussed recently with most comic book writers, they're like, yeah, I know you like the reason you're showing up to the book, but we're going to relegate them to secondary characters, and I'm going to give you all these new guys that I want to create, all these new X-Wing pilots. Aren't these guys cool? I'm like, no, just give me fucking Luke. I want Luke and Wedge. That's it. I don't need the fucking Twilight chick, because everyone thinks she's hot. I don't need Prithy, the Indian alien chick. I don't need the boss guy. That isn't boss, but he's a good guy. Well, some of the stuff that they did get right, I think, is the Princess Leia story arc in there. Now, I can't say that I read the whole book. I know at some point they were trying to get her married or something weird. That was, um, that was the that was the low point of of the book. In order right. in order to find in order to gain a new planet for the rebel base between Yavin and Hoth, um, Princess Leia agrees to marry. The prince of a planet called Arakar. I the the place where I fell off, and it was still pretty good at that point, was whenever Leia had taken an X-wing out into the remains of Alderaan and ran into 
a, um, a collector, somebody that was collecting things from the remains of, of the destroyed planet. Yeah. And I thought that it there was a good characterization of Princess Leia, and it really hit to the core of who that character was, even more so than the films ever got into. Yeah, and there was... And that's that's the time frame to get into that, because... It just know, happened. Luke loses Ben, and he's sad for a second before. He needs to get his shit together and, you know, go, up, go blow up the uh, Death Star. Leia loses Alderaan, but right away she's in the Death Star escape, and then she's got to, you know, help command, you know, the Death Star assault. So after all that, you know, then it's, hey, fun, we're back, we won. Then the big uh, trophy, the big uh, award ceremony at the end, and then after that, when everything comes back down, that was the cool take Brian Wood took on it, saying, all right, now we're going to get into, like, how they're really feeling now that nothing else is happening, like how they're each dealing with this kind of loss. And even Han had some things going on where, uh, you know, he was now, instead of just a loner, he has an allegiance to something, and the inner conflict that would come from that, where it's kind of going against his nature yeah, to... Yeah, but that got... Like, this... It's, it's going to end with 20 issues. Next month is the final issue. That's issue 20. But for all 20 issues, Han's been, like, a side character. It's been and that's Princess Leia's story. And that's sort of where they're missing out, I think. That's another part. People love Han Solo. And that's a part of the character that they kind of just skip over. They just have him doing some side missions, fighting Boba Fett a little bit here and there, but that's about it. Yeah, and like what was what, what was nice about it was that you got to see where Luke was emotionally. You got to see him, you know, without any kind of parental figure. You know, his aunt and uncle are gone, Ben's gone. He's by himself in this whole new world with with the uh, rebellion. He's the golden boy, but he has to he has to come down from that and be just a regular pilot like everybody else. And you have a chance to get into that and get into Leia's grief about losing her entire planet, everything she's known. And they touch on it briefly right before they push them into some big weird forced engagement to gain a planet mission. And where it started out, it could have been a really good you know character arc for all of these characters. They got into bigger plots where the plot just drove everything. But now this last issue, it's, you know, Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie. They need to go find some covert rebel agent who's been undercover for years. They need to go pull her out. And the last issue was really good because it focuses on the main cast, their interaction with each other. They're in the Falcon the majority of the time. And I'm kind of disappointed because I'm like, all right, I've spent... I've spent 18 mediocre issues. Up and down, but for the most part, nothing that blew me away. And all of a sudden now, with two issues left, you're like, I got it. Now I understand how to how that's to make this story work. That's how long it takes to get inspired. Two years. Is that the final Dark Horse Star Wars comic book? Um, no, the, the Darth Maul series is going. Yeah, it's the final Star Wars title right. book. But there's Star Wars Legacy... Okay. There's um, the Darth Maul one. There's a uh, Rebel Heist, the one with the really cool, like, sort of painted Han Solo covers. That's right. Yeah. Um, so there's still some other stuff uh, coming down the line. Do you think the the tone or anything like that's going to be different when Marvel takes over? That's, it has to be. I mean, just Marvel is going to. I feel like it's going to get its marching orders from Disney. 
It might depend on what um, what episode seven gives us. I would imagine we're going to see comic books that have nothing to do with episode seven come out of Marvel before episode seven comes out. Yeah, because the the transition I believe takes place come this January, correct? I think that's so. a full twelve months before episode seven. So we're gonna be. Yeah, I, I can't see Marvel sitting on a cash pile <laughs> like that for an entire year. So like, at Dark they Horse stuff in them works at, right now. At but Dar- is it gonna be Waka 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 Bendis Star Wars or real Star Wars? Well, the, you know that's the thing. At Dark Horse, we had. Uh, a lot of diversity over the years. Um, we had some absolutely amazing things that I doubt Marvel will ever be able to match. But at the same time, we had some really kind of mediocre, kind of not good stuff come out of Dark Horse. There, there's been one thing I would say about Dark Horse's legacy with the Star Wars license is is that it has been very inconsistent and. I hope that Marvel can be consistent, but I'm not sure that it's going to play out that way or what. Like, for example, Dark Empire is so good for a Star Wars comic. Is that the Thrawn stuff? No, this was... No, Thrawn was books. This is at General Shizor? No, that's Shadows of the Empire. Uh, Dark Empire was uh, a... Brand new thing created specifically for comic books. And it takes place right around the same era as the Thrawn stuff, but I think this was before Lucasfilm really gave a shit about the expanded universe continuity, so they just kind of happened, which it's all moot now because it's all considered, quote, legend. Now, I was listening to a podcast today that was talking about being really upset about the fact that a lot of the stuff is... What podcast? It was that old comic smell. They finally oh, returned after... A, I didn't even know it was going to be a plug for... I know, I For know. something I like. After what, 15 uh, months of being off, they returned. What is this, episode 4? It is episode 4 from them. But they're talking about being upset about things not being in, you know, canon anymore or not counting anymore. Do you feel that? You're probably the most hardcore Star Wars fan here at the table. Episode 64. As I look at your sleeve of Star Wars tattoos. It's warm. Does it... Does it, bit. does it make you upset that things don't count anymore? Or do they still count to you? You know, that's a good question. I think that to the individual, you're going to pick and choose what's relevant to you. And... Whether or not they officially count according to, to Lucasfilm or Disney, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it, I'm not affected one way or another. I mean, if you really like to pay attention to that stuff and kind of follow along and, and try to be a completist, that, that's cool. That's fun. I'll probably try to do that to some extent. Like, they have um, a whole slate of new novels coming out uh, starting... I think later this year, maybe in the fall time, there's a, a novel coming out called A New Dawn, and it features the characters from the Rebels TV show. Although it looks, based on the cover artwork, to be kind of a less kid-friendly version, 
And then from there, you're gonna there's a uh, a Luke Skywalker story that takes place after the Battle of Yavin, and then there's another uh, Darth Vader book with Darth Vader and Palpatine that takes place I think after Episode Three, and then the fourth one is a, a Tarkin book, Grand Moff Tarkin. So <clears throat> supposedly, all four of these books are gonna be officially canon now. That's cool. I'm going to try to keep up with it, at least initially, and check them all out if I can. I'm excited about kind of this clean slate because I feel like the existing canon, not even canon, but the existing expanded universe was so expansive that for a newcomer or somebody that only liked the movies and never really got into the books but kind of wants to dabble in the books... It's like, where do you even start? There's there's 50 novels. However, this is the exact same thing that's going to happen with Star Wars. With their continuity, which, has, which is what happened with the ultimate line of comic books or the relaunch of the New 52. Eventually, that continuity is going to get so convoluted and thick and rich and overwhelming because you have 50 different creators on... You know, trying to tell one big, giant, epic story, it's not going to work. But I so think it, oh, just to finish my point, at the end of the day, you're going to be faced with kind of deciding what what is relevant to you and what's not. I think as comic book fans, we're used to a bunch of different stories and having hundreds of creators tell <clears throat> thousands of stories about one particular property mm-hmm. or one particular character, to me, it doesn't matter what some corporate entity tells me, this counts. I, I'll i take the stories that I enjoyed, and to me, those all count. And I'm not going to get upset about it combating against some new movie series or right. some new line of, um, of, of plot that doesn't jive up to something that I loved in the right. past. I hold on to all that stuff just when... The New 52 relaunched all the DC books. All those DC books that happened before, they still count to me because I still love all those things. Yeah. You know, it's you're, you're making the comparison comic books to Star Wars. And, you know, if you're just comparing the films, I don't that's apples to oranges. But when you look at the expanded universe of Star Wars compared to comics, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's books. It's, right. You know, all you know like for me... Really, the only stuff that really counts are the six movies that exist for me. And I'm probably always going to lean that way. Like the movie in episode seven, I'll probably lump right in there with everything else. Even the Clone Wars TV show, I'm like, eh, I don't know if that really is going on in this universe. How about that Ewoks uh, TV show? Clone Wars. According to Lucasfilm, but according to Matt Film... Maybe not so much. Yeah, that's the thing. Everybody can make their own decision yeah. about what counts and what doesn't. So doesn't bother of, me. Doesn't bother me. Let's instead put it that of way. some people are pissed. Instead of Lucasfilm coming out and mandating canon, not canon, would you rather them just write some good stories? Hey, I have a really neat Boba Fett story. Let me tell this. Okay, go nuts. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's see it. Kind of, yeah. I don't understand what the need to reboot was exactly. I guess what they're trying to do now with this Expanded Universe reboot is that they kind of wanted to 
not be beholden with episode seven because it takes place in the same era that a lot of the other expanded universe stuff takes place. And they didn't want any kind of like expectations or contradictions or anything like that. But can't the movies just be the movies and the books be kind of just other what ifs or which is basically what they've turned it into with this legends line. But does it really have to even be, it kind seems of like, like mandated. It seems like an incredibly arduous task for Lucasfilm and the editors that they're appointing to all this stuff to make sure everything lines up. Right. Like, I don't know why the company would want to put itself through. Well, apparently they have like two guys that are that are on the case. They're you know the the, the watchdogs of Star Wars universe. I guess if they're not releasing as many things as they have. You know, if Dark Horse has, you know, four four books coming out a month, you know, if they're not going to have that schedule, maybe it'll be easier for them. I'm guessing those. they might not have four books a month, but let's say they have one or two Star Wars books. Then they have four novels that are coming out in the next year alone. That's a lot of Star Wars novels. Then, obviously, you got the new films. Don't forget, spinoff movies in between actual episodes, plus the new TV show. That is a fuckload of Star Wars. And... It's going to get confusing, and you're, there's going to be shit that they come out with that, you know, like you said, Ian, I'm like a totally diehard, passionate Star Wars fan, but I'm going to raise an eyebrow to some of this stuff. I Uh-oh. guarantee it. Uh-oh. And I'll be like... Uh-oh. Look out now. I don't know, man. This doesn't Watch feel like Dog it works. He's going <laughs> to... I don't know. I think that they had to... They are put in the corner. They have to clear out some space and say, okay, some of the stuff you can't expect that it's going to happen the same way that it happened in the books or all these other things that have been written in this time frame. Uh, But I think that they would be uh, losing out on a big chunk of their fandom by not including some, you know, General Thrawn. Well, they've they've said that they're going to mine certain things from stuff from the expanded universe. I know they're they're different fan bases, but, and they're, but they're similar in a lot of respects. But I've, I've always felt that Star Wars fandom was a lot more critical of what was canon and what wasn't than comic book fans. Yeah, and I mostly agree. it's because of quantity. Because there's so much yeah. comic book stuff out there, you can't get really particular. But Star Wars has only had so many years of it, be it comics, you know, books, movies, whatever. I, th- I think Star Wars fans are a lot. A lot, they keep a closer eye on all the details and what is and what isn't, or what should or shouldn't be canon. But even comic books fans get all crazy about that, especially with the DC rebooting and what is real and what doesn't count. And, and this story that's so precious to me, it's not part of Batman's history anymore. So why but is it, it is, like, because so, you still love it, so it is. So why Batman. is it that, and you know, this is apples and oranges, but why is it DC can come out and say... Yeah, 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 five years later, whatever you want, this is what it is, whatever. Just if you like it, you like it. But Star Wars is like, this is canon, this is not. And Star Wars is defining rules and guides. And DC's like, yeah, man, okay. But isn't DC kind of doing the same thing? Aren't they kind of doing the rules and guides? And now, years later, have, like, boxed themselves into a corner to the point where there's rumors that they're going to abandon the new 52? If Star Wars was running the new 52, they'd be like... Dark Knight Returns, Year One, you know, Watchmen. None of this no, stuff counts. None of that. None of that ever happens. It's legend. 
it, it may okay. count. But when DC That's what they're saying. They're like, yeah, might, might not, whatever you want. No, if that's, you like it, it counts. That's what is Star Wars is doing. Is how you feel that DC's handling That's that? absolutely how they handle it. Because Paul, like, people have, have point blank asked creators, how does Batman have five Robins in five years? And they're like, well, you know, if you like the stories, you like them. You know, it's, it's comics. That's what they say. It's comics. Paul, you, you're right is. as far as... Yeah, the, I guess I can get away with The that. way that DC is handling it. But Star Wars right now is the exact same thing, where they they've said we will mine certain things that work that maybe did or didn't happen in the expanded universe, and we're going to apply them to the new Star Wars. Yeah, but they're not saying if you like it, you like it. They're saying okay, um, if you know Dark Knight Returns works for a lot of reasons, so we're going to take that and we're going to retell it. In our canon, at some point, the actual story, Dark Knight Returns, okay, won't gotcha. be canon, but they're gonna make it. They're gonna use it because that's yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. And you know, even saying that's legend, that's clearly drawing a line between like Star Wars real legends and, and Star real. Wars canon. Right. And the distinction now for Star Wars, everything that comes out that is Star Wars is canon. Like that's that's the rule. Which on one hand. Kind of cool because now you don't have to be like, well, you know, because you always had G level canon, George Lucas canon or whatever, which Whoa, was which that's was a deep cut, which was the movies. I the look that you gave us right there. Deep cut music. So you have like the movies is canon, and then you know like, um, the some of the novels are considered. Like almost canon. Like they made a novel, um, Darth Plagueis, which up until this distinction between legends and canon, uh, it was widely considered canon. That you know it like fit perfectly in with the story. Do we and still consider Splinter of the Mind's Eye as a canon product? As it a, never was. Never was. No. Even though it was like commissioned as like okay. The Empire if, Strikes Back. If Star Wars, it. if Star, yeah, like I, I thought it was if Star Wars, the a, a New Hope doesn't make the money that we wanted to make, then we'll write, we'll do this story that's a little more low budget, and then they, it became the phenomenon that it was, and they're like, whoa, let's send them to fucking Hoth and do all this other stuff. So it never was canon, though. I thought it, it. At some point, it might have been. And it might have been for, like decommissioned, right? It might have been for like a cup of coffee, but once <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back came out, it it contradicts everything in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. So because I've I've never read it, so I just know I've never it read it either. I own, I own oh, it. time out! What I've what? never read really? Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Do you Holy want shit. to? I own it. You um, you need to. I'd be interested. I can get away with not. It's it's wacky. Yeah, I think I'd rather read, like... It is um, straight-up Luke and Leia love story. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'd rather read um, Shadows of the Empire. I've been wanting to go back and revisit that a lot lately. But, you know, like we've, like we've discussed with bad comics, I think you need to you need to read the good stuff and the bad stuff. I think you need to read... I read plenty of bad stuff. I think you, you do need to read it, though. Why? Because you're you're, you're our Star Wars, Wars guy, guy. motherfucker. <laughs> Come on, read that shit. Yeah, but like, why Splinter of the Mind's Eye versus the the Thrawn trilogy? I mean, 
not either, it's not either or. It's just a part of the story that seems like it's important. And as you are known for deep cuts, that's not even that deep of a cut. I knew that one. Like, but you should probably know that. Wait, what? 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 I haven't read it. I'm just saying that I oh, know yeah. of it. Right. I'm just saying that you should be. Oh well, I don't this think happens. Certain here things that. that I say really aren't that deep. I think you guys might just no. Be you're that no, you're a deep cut, deep motherfucker. Cuts. You drop some deep cuts. But I, I think it's a. I think Splinter in the Mind's Eye is a big enough part of Star Wars, you know, story mythology. Anyway, I almost that's feel like you should have read. Like I almost feel like I might. I should probably read it, but you should read it first. I mean, yeah, you should also. Read Is there an audiobook of it? Audible.com? Oh, I would love. You that. should also read Shadows of the Empire, and you know, I did read the, Shadows and all the good stuff. But you know, you should also take a stab at Splinter of the Mind's Eye. It's interesting. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. It's when just I read like it. the it's just, comic it's series. Just just like the comic series, the Star Wars that you've been reading, that's the original I, version. I of Star quit. Wars. I quit reading the Star Wars series probably after like but, the ninth but issue. But you tried it out, like I, I because think you didn't like it, or because you just fell behind. I fell behind. I See, that's different. That makes a big difference. Yeah. A dark horse title that was really good. Uh, Star Wars Empire that just dealt strictly with Vader post New Hope, doing just. Uh-huh. doing things dealing with the politics of the Empire and hiring of bounty hunters and shit like that. Like uh-huh. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was one that I would recommend. So, Matt, do you want do you want Luke, or Lucasfilm to come out and say, this is canon, this is what counts? Or do you want to be able to have that freedom to read an interesting book and say, alright, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that into my canon? Uh, I'd probably prefer the latter. I, I think it's kind of on paper a cool idea to distinguish what is officially the Star Wars story and what isn't. But it's going to get big fast and it's going to get overwhelming fast. And at the end of the day, I'm probably just going to acknowledge the films as kind of my personal canon and everything else will be peripheral to it. And yeah, whatever I like, I like. That's the way I'm going to approach it. I pick and choose the things that I like, just like the comic book and, series. And I would also note that... I also pick and choose in my canon. Ewoks never happen. <laughs> that second one was really good. That was fucking brutal. The one where they kill the family in the first, like, five minutes? Uh, uh, Battle for Endor, I Battle think it was? Yeah, isn't that the one with, like, the spider queen at the end? I don't. Or is that that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember It was, like, a band well of forest... Um, they're, like, forest alien thugs, like, almost like forest sand people, kind of. Yeah. And they fucking ruthlessly killed this family, Robinson-style... Of people, mm. and to the point where like the little girls running around, their family's on her wristband and their life force, and like all the lights are going out. I'm like, oh shit! It's like the the Weasley's clock that has all the kids, and they all go to death. It, yeah. It's, it's, oh, that's it's, such it's, a deep cut. That's, oh, not, a, that's not a deep oh, cut. He doesn't know that. You know that. I don't, I don't know that. So that must right. be a deep cut. No, right. no, 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 no. Well, for the, you know what? For the purposes of this show, it is. You know cut. what? No, not even for the purposes of We need of like a show. bell. Deep cut. Just, Ding! Yeah, we just, you know, you might be right. Weasley's clock, probably a deep cut. 
I honestly, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You serious? Yeah, I'm serious. You read all the books. No, I didn't. I read, um, no. I read four, five. Did you see the movies? I don't remember if I read six. Um, and I saw all the movies. Yeah. It's all right. If their family has a death clock, it has a. They have a clock with all the. In each hand is one of the children, and around the clock is like dead, school, home, work, chores. You know, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Like. Dead in yeah. school are yeah. the same. Yeah, right. It should be real close. But that gets, dead just like eleven and midnight. I guess that gets more play in the books than it does. It makes an appearance in the movies, but it's not a. It's not Man. integral in the movies. So um, <laughs> it's the Harry Potter and the Death. Club. Now I want to. I want to make the point. I did not bring up the Star Wars conversation tonight. By the way, that's hey, why we yeah. didn't sing Cantina music. When but you that's we, we didn't go right. a long time but, ago. But this I'm, week. I'm going to segue off of it onto you mentioned the Harry Potter series. I this past weekend because this is kind of a dealy chili, right? So here's my I'm going to deal a little bit here. It's free form conversation. Dealy chili. Isn't that what I just said? He said dilly chili. Dilly chili. Dilly chili. Did he say dilly chili? He said dilly. Like he said dilly. dilly. I don't think I said dilly. I thought he said dilly. No, he said dilly. Children. To the tape. All right, so anyway, uh, I was like doing some research trying to find a really good new like fantasy book, single book or book series that, that just creates like a great world. Brand new, like, adventure, great hero, great characters. I like, you know, uh, the whole good versus evil thing. I'm not, like, big on the whole bandwagon of, like, all these gray characters like Game of Thrones and everything. While I do like Game of Thrones, I still prefer my fantasy to be um, more black and white. And I couldn't find anything that, like, looked great to me. Do you guys have any recommendations? Nope. I cool. don't. Thank you. Unfortunately, no. I don't read like hey, maybe teen fiction or anything teen like fiction, that. Right. I, I don't. I don't read that kind of stuff. So well, it doesn't have to really be teen know. fiction. I mean, anything, anything. Yeah, I am. Like, I, I, I mean, I mean I so know. you okay? So, Star Wars, you know, very kind of simplistic story, especially the first one. You have like farm boy, the princess, the wizard, and uh, it's basically a fairy tale. But it's still, like, really cool and fun and Can exciting. we say that the characters in the Hunger Games are, you know, black and white? Maybe, yeah. Fantasy-related? Yeah. Pretty black and white. Yeah. I mean, there's Katniss nothing really bad good. about there's Katniss. There's nothing, yeah. Or uh, her dude back home or the guy she's Peter? in the games with. Was that that guy? Peter's the games guy. Yeah. Who's the back home guy? Um, Liam Hemsworth's yeah. brother. Forrest brother. Tommy Hick that he plays. Yeah, yeah I don't know his pretty, name. They're they're pretty good. They're pretty clear. Jesse Hemsworth. I don't know what his name is. Like, I would Hemsworth. find books, but, but would, Hunger Games. From what I understand, that's a great book series. That's what I've heard. But there's, I saw the first movie and just you didn't like it. I thought no, it was good. I think it's I just Catching Fire was even better. Yeah, but you know the rule about novels and movies: the novels are always better. Yeah, they are, but they're especially always better if you read the novel first. Whereas I didn't read the novel. I went in just with the movie as my benchmark. And I was just like... You were let down by it? I thought it was... No, I wasn't wasn't let down because I had... You read the first Hunger Games? No, no, no. I saw the movie and I wasn't let down because I didn't have expectations. I was just like, no, that was okay. Did you go see the second film? No. 
No, the first one wasn't think, good enough. Well, okay. I'd say that um, that's a good example of exactly what you're looking yeah, for. Maybe. I was a big fan of the Hunger Games movies. I haven't read the books, but mm-hmm. I thought the first one was really good, and the second one was great. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm excited to see where they're going to go with these next two movies. Yeah. I guess they're splitting the fourth book or the third book in two. And so I, watched, I watched the first season of Game of Thrones, and then I listened to the audiobook of you know Game of Thrones. And it, I I thought it was just as good. Yeah, I wasn't let down at all because most of the time the novel novel's just going to give you more. It's going to augment yeah, yeah. whatever movie experience you saw. So did you watch? Did you? So you watched the first season of Game of Thrones, then listened to the first book for Game of Thrones, then what? Then I just continued on with the show because I don't have the other books. Okay. So the only book that you've... Was the first one. ...experienced. Okay. Now, because I was thinking, maybe maybe that's what I need to do, is just fucking read Game of Thrones. But because... what, I, what I've heard about the other books is that, you know, the the way the first book is, and the way the show is, you see all the characters throughout the season. You know, you're getting Jon Snow, Tyrion, Cersei, you know, Arya, through the whole the whole thing. But I think what happens in book three, it's like only about Jon Snow and Rob. Tyrion isn't in the book at all. And then like book four is like all Tyrion and Bronn, but like none of those other characters. So the show makes it so that you're following you know, everybody right along. I mean, yeah. that's naturally how the show's going to run. Yeah, and gonna... that, the way, the, the way that... The books were set up like that. Kind of turned me off to it. And there's a lot of there's a lot of Tolkien style history. I mean, th- it's not like one book is just a family tree of stuff like Tolkien would do. But you know, it's a lot of more minutia about the world. And but does that make you under- it understand the conflicts that happen between those houses and why they happen? It's just. Simple history yeah, of anything. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't read it, so I don't know how interesting I would find it. But I have tried to I did try to get through all that Tolkien stuff from Lord of the Rings, and there's some shit in there that I get like three words into it now, and I'm asleep. I'm out. Like the way the way he writes that stuff, he writes it like it's just um like it's an Excel sheet. Yeah, it's like this is the son, this is the son. Yeah, and then he had this baby. Now, what did you like better, um, Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings? The book? Yeah. Um, probably Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah, like, I I think I like the Lord of the Rings movies better than the, the game. Book. Yeah. But they're told in a, the cut the fat away from it yeah. type of way that you yeah, have there's, to tell. You know, one of the movie. things that I uh, hated from the, the get-go with The Hobbit and Game of Thrones was all the fucking songs... Stop. Stop with the songs. I can't fucking do it. Just give me the story. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I don't know if it's, um, yeah, I, I guess I never really thought about thought about it before, but I think the, su- the subject matter in Game of Thrones is, is more adult. You know, mm-hmm. there's, it's, it's a little more brutal. It's a little more, yeah, uh, it's a little more world. shades of gray too. Yeah. A little less fantasy. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And, uh, now, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm, just into that a little more uh-huh. right now. Did you... See, I always lean more toward the simple, the simplified story, but when I say simplified, I don't think, like, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings are simple stories. I, I guess in some ways they are, but they're so rich with great characters and themes that 
are the themes are like ancient in them. They're they're myth. And I feel like maybe in something like Game of Thrones, not so much myth as it is just kind of like this interesting story. It's like a political drama. Well, yeah, basically. The, the original political drama. Yeah, the, you know, Star Wars like and Lord of the Rings. It's Matt's, va- Matt's very favorite hero's journey. But Lord of the Rings isn't any of that. Game of, Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones isn't any of that. Close you're going to get to the hero and his journey is Jon Snow. And that's such a small corner of this huge world. Like, maybe Daenerys could be on the hero's journey, but, like, Jon Snow's the more straight path in that that type of tale. But there's, yeah, there's it's more political intrigue. There's so much more shit happening on. But, you know, Frodo and Sam and Lord of the Rings and Luke Skywalker, those are straight, Bilbo and the Hobbit, straight through lines. Boom. And the political journey. intrigue angle is, that's the stuff that I like. I like that kind of, uh, you know, House of Cards, that kind of, yeah. this person stabbing this guy in the back, and he's going to take revenge on him because of this thing that happened so many years ago, and it's all a bunch of dominoes that, that are set up, yeah. and all that intricate stuff I like about Game of Thrones. That's Yeah, I do too, but I think I prefer a lot of what's going on in... Like Lord of the Rings, I would take Lord of the Rings all day over Game of Thrones. Well, I haven't read, um, I haven't read the Divergent series, but I saw the first movie, and that's very hero's journey. Mm-hmm. I've heard no real gray area with uh, Hottie McCotterson's character. You think she's hot? I thought you hated her because I she got think, her hair. I think she's hot when her hair is long. And I think she's she hot with her hair short. Tiny. It's unattractive. Still sexy. I'm going to disagree. But um, I heard really bad things about the follow-up books in the Divergent series. That uh, it got progressively worse. So. Like progressively worse in quality? Quality, yes. Like I would find these like fantasy they wrote, books. They wrote Sorry. this first one, and it was really great. And then they were like, you need to make three because we're going to make a movie. And author was like, uh-oh. And just so it's, like, it's like Scott Snyder on Batman. I got a great idea. How dare this is you? Successful. You need to do more. And then he was like, uh, uh, I, don't, "I don't, I don't think that he did that though." I think that the original story, the Court of like the original arc going into Court of Owls and then Death of the Family, that was all good. He's at that point now where they're like, "More, we need more, bigger, bigger." But he still had three good pieces before. I'm being, I'm being, I'm Unfair. being harsh. I'm Unfair. being, I am being purposefully facetious. So I was just saying that um, I would look up these potential books to read, like these fantasy books, and I would because I spent some time in Barnes and Noble over the weekend, and I and I like had a list, and I would go up to the book and I would pull it off the shelf, and it would be like thirteen hundred pages, and I'm like, no, and it's a series. It's like book one of nine. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't think so. Well, were you let down? I know you were talking about it a while ago about, uh, was it Joy Joyland? Joyland, yeah. I'm Stephen almost King. done with that. Yeah? Yeah. Was that a letdown? I know it's not nothing like what we're talking um, about, but I know you were excited about it before. Well, you know, it's, it's, if you listen to episode 62. Yeah. Is it 62 when you talk about that? I, I don't know. It wasn't, I don't think it was last. last no, time. but I can give no. you a, a, a more up-to-date update. That's all. Do it. Let us have it. I want an update. Let us ask him. Um, it's, 
it's a pretty slow moving story, but it's it's a it's purposefully slow. It's this very kind of not to sound like Kevin Smith, it's very earnest. It's got a very um, earnest main character that over the course of the book, you're like, what is this even about? Like, I'm trying to understand. What is it about? It's it's basically about a kid's a twenty a something, like early twenty college student, his summer working at this Joyland amusement park in 1973. What attracted you to this book? Was it the fact that it was a new Stephen King thing and you're a fan? The or? the pulpiness of the cover. I like that that art style. I like your honesty. Yeah. Well, that, that's what attracted me initially. Like, that's what made me pick it up off of the thing. Yeah. And then I read the back, and it it sounded like, you know, it's a bit of a coming-of-age tale. It's about a kid who gets kind of John Deered by his high school or his college girlfriend, and he makes new friends, and he starts to, like, I don't kind of fall in love with another girl and um, meet some interesting, very interesting people at the park and everything, but, like, the the pacing of it is is almost painfully slow sometimes, but the the main character is so you just get to know him so well that even if nothing magnificent or major is happening, you you just feel invested after. Do you a think while. that there's going to be a hook or something like something there, there seems is, is to, on the horizon? Well, I'm um, I'm probably about. <clears throat> two-thirds or maybe even three-quarters of the way through, but it just turns out that that the main character has met this kid who we think might be able to read minds. And that's the first bit of, like, Fucking supernatural Stephen to King it. And that mind-reading shit. Everybody can read minds. And we don't know if there's something to it yet. I'm still trying to figure that out, but um, maybe that's... Because there's... Wait, what's the kid's name? Mike, the, the kid. The main character's name is, um, it's told in the first person, so I can't, um, Devin. So anyway, Devin uh, was at this park, and at the park there's this, this like haunted boat ride, you know, like a lot of amusement parks have those. And the old mill for our listeners. That's right, here. at Kennywood. And uh, supposedly, well, not supposedly, but a girl had been murdered on this ride where she went on the boat with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend killed her on it, like cut like cut her throat, threw her body off to the side, and they didn't discover her. And he just kept riding along in the boat, and he, like, he wore, like, an extra shirt and took his shirt off and, like, got right off of the ride like nothing happened. And they didn't discover her body until, like, later that night during cleanup when they turn all the lights on and everything. Well, anyway... People said that they had seen this girl's ghost on the ride. So the main character all summer was like, I just want to see this ghost. And he hasn't seen the ghost yet, but now he's talking to this kid who might be able to read minds. So maybe his connection, because like he wants to go to the park, but he's, he's, um, I think, what does he have? I forget. He's got some kind of like cerebral palsy or something that prevents him from he's like gonna die so like one of his dying wishes is he wants to go to the park and experience the amusement park but i'm guessing maybe he's gonna go on the haunted ride and communicate somehow with this ghost 
with Devin. I don't know, but it's it's just so slow moving, which yeah. is okay. It's it's a very deliberate pace, but yeah, not not exactly um, high fantasy. I'm just kind of I'm now that I've done this, like I'm almost done with it. I'm ready for like something a little bit more of that that journey. I wish I had a good example of something like that. Well, if our listeners have any have any suggestions, I'm I'm all ears. Yeah, uh, the stuff I've been reading, listening to. Um, I recently got a book called The Martian. It's about a astronaut who gets stranded on Mars. His his team goes down to to Mars on an expedition, and he is left for dead. But he still has a bunch of things that have been dropped off on Mars so he can stay alive for about a year. There are multiple missions to Mars at this point in the future, and if he can stay alive for long enough, there will be another uh, mission that will come and rescue him. So he's trying to rig up all these things to kind of keep himself alive, grow potatoes using Martian soil and feces and all this Different kind of stuff. All these survivors. So it's Robinson Caruso on Mars. Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty interesting. It's told in a style of um, him writing to himself in a journal. So, um, uh, and and while when they, once the first about three or four chapters is done, they break away and they go back to Earth where on Earth they discover that he's alive and they're trying to figure out a way to tell him, like, you need to, instead of trying to go across Mars to get to the next landing point. You need to stay where you are. and It's it's a uh, it's pretty interesting kind of book, but it's not the hero's journey. It's sort of a survivor man mm-hmm. story. Still sounds interesting. Which is, um, yeah, The Martian. I've been listening to. Hero's Journey. Um, John Carter of Mars. You know, that never interested me. Plus, I saw the movie and I thought it was... Kind of boring. Maybe maybe you ought to check out the source material. Perhaps. Maybe you ought to find a novel. Maybe, maybe. you don't look for new Hero's Journey stories, but look back at some well, of the classics. I've never read The Hobbit, and I want to desperately. I own it. Somebody gave it to me for Christmas a couple say, years ago. I'll send it home with you tonight. However, after seeing the first two movies, which I think are fucking great, I can't quite bring myself to spoil it. I've I've made it my entire life. I've enjoyed the movies to this point. I think I'd rather just see it play out on the screen. See, that's how I feel about Game of Thrones at this point. Yeah. I feel like I've invested so many seasons into the show. Yeah. I don't want to ruin it by going back and reading the books. Right. Now, the, the one other book series that I feel like I could pretty much get into is the um, Aragon book series, the, the young adult trilogy the dragon rider the dragon rider which again didn't read it but i did see the first movie or the only movie and it when sean i saw connery it that? not sean connery Jer- jeremy, jeremy irons. irons yeah who plays obi-wan kenobi in it and it was like such a clear uh I don't know. It was very derivative of Star Wars. It Ian, was... welcome back to the Mixos Book Club. <laughs> I was also reading uh, Under the Dome. So Ar- Aragon's Star Wars, both dragons. Yeah, and and the movie is nowhere near as good as Star Wars, but it's like 
I think that's because the movie was not well made, not because the story was crap. Did you see um, the animated Guardians of the Guadir about the owls? No. That's a pretty cool movie. Uh, I have a feeling I would... Wasn't that... Was that Guillermo del Toro? I don't know. How do you, how do you say his Guillermo? Guillermo. 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 <laughs> you must roll Guillermo. your tongue. Listen to you idiots do that all night. Because you can't roll your tongue. I can't. You're, you roll your R's. Try it. No. Just for the podcast. Oh, come, come on. on. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I just go. Sound. Yeah. 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 He was such a nice boy. Yeah, I um, I kind of liked Guardians, uh, Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. Gahul. Who made it? Um. Uh, Zack Snyder directed. Zack Snyder, that's Good it. Old Zack Snyder. Yeah, it was kind of it was a, it was a cool movie. I think it's an underrated kids movie of the last so many years. When it came out, two thousand ten. Yeah, from the creators or from the studio that brought you Happy Feet. I think I was a little turned off when I saw the title, the the Owls of a Gahul. Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it was alright. It was alright. Do you know anything about the Aragon series, the movie? Anything? No, I don't. I mean, I, I've seen the trailer, I think, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I don't really know. It was an okay movie. It just... I wanted it to be a better made movie than it was. Are you usually drawn to um, medieval things? Because the one thing that I've heard, um, it might not exactly fit into what you're looking for yeah. with the hero's journey and everything, but I heard it's really awesome, is How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, I saw I the first th- one. Okay, is that... It? I heard that one, and then the second one that just recently came out, is, is it's really good. I mean, I wouldn't call that the hero's journey, but it's... it was entertaining. You mm-hmm. wouldn't call um, How to Train Your Dragon the hero's journey? No. I've never no. seen it, so I, I can't argue. I just know that it has been hailed as something that's really the first one. The first one's pretty good. I yeah. would say it's the hero's Really? Journey. Zero to hero? Yeah. You think that? Yeah, absolutely. You never saw it? No, I did. I just you don't... don't... You don't think it was? The main guy, he's he gets picked on all the time. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. He finds the cool dragon, and then he winds up being the hero in the end. Oh, I guess. Dragon did all the work. But he helped fix the dragon and train the dragon. That's true. Hence the title. And he also, you know, taught his Pokemon buddies... Pokemon is much like that. ...how to yeah. train their dragons. Yeah. I'd like to see it. it from what I heard, um, it's really good, and the second one only improves on that first uh, story. Yeah. So. There's another fantasy series... Man, we, this is turning into the book club, but there's another fantasy series called um, the, the Legend of Drizzt. It's like one of those Dungeons & Dragons Forgotten Realms book series... And from what I've read, there, there's there's been many, many books starring this character. His name is D-R-I-Z-Z-T. There may be an apostrophe in there somewhere to make yeah. it especially exotic, which that is one of my biggest fucking pet peeves, or how difficult some of these, like, major characters' names tend to be. But you gotta make it exotic. And I don't know, Jon Snow ain't that exotic, and... I don't know. I don't. I'm not like oh, Jon Snow. I can't be invested in this story. 
I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's, I, just, that's, I, the, I need to hear it. How the fuck do you say drizzed? Drizzed. Just like that. Drizzed. Can you roll the R? That's not in there. <laughs> no, there's an R. Can't roll the R. Drizzed. See? You, you had it there, too. Um, no, so, anyway, you know the there's, there's a, uh, it started out with a, with a trilogy, and it's about this, like, dark elf who, I, I guess, is part of a race of kind of these bastard, like, mean-ass elves, 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 depends on how accurate you want your grammar to be. And we want it to be as accurate as possible. I guess he's got these I. two. Danny Tanner. <laughs> He's got these two blades, like that, that he has named that are magical, and it's supposedly it's by R. A. Salvatore. I'm sure you've heard of him before, uh-huh. right? Um, and it's supposed to be one of the best modern um, fantasy stories. And then, lastly, the other one that I heard that was really good is, um, uh, oh crap, what's his name? Brooks. Uh, the Sword of Sh- Shinara. Um, what is this? Terry Brooks. And But I heard that that's like really heavily ripped off from Lord of the Rings. It sounds almost like Mid-Eastern. The Sword of Shinara or something. Sounds like it could be a Conan story. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you've been reading lately, Paul? Any books? Any comic books? Let's stick with books for now, and then we'll transition into comic books. Um, anything? I say anything with words. As we well, that's right. Um, Word, I well, wordplay. So over the last couple weeks, um, it kind of hit me the most enjoyable comics that I've read because I have a ton of comics to read all the time. I haven't gotten to. The Edgar Allan Poe omnibus, but that falls right into my next statement, which is only early July, buddy. Right, that well, falls mid July. It's my next statement of all the comics that I've read lately that I have really, really deeply enjoyed have been horror books. Nailbiter from Image, Coffin Hill from Vertigo, and a couple BPRD trades. All horror stuff, and those come up like tops in my uh, pull list for the last few weeks. I don't know what it is. I guess I'm a horror guy, but good horror? Like, I don't think I... I don't think I would like a spit on your grave or that, like, schlocky gore for gore's sake type mm-hmm. horror movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, really, really good stuff with some, you know, deep character ties in it. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, um, Nailbiter, which you may talk about later. Uh, Coffin Hill from Vertigo has been really fucking good. I bought it solely based on Dave Johnson's covers. Every cover I saw for it, the tight treatment, the masthead for it, it was, it was really cool. Big, thick letters with these crows kind of flying out of it using this positive-negative space. And um, Dave Johnson's art of uh, the main girl, Eve Coffin, who is a witch. Um, is there a character with the last name Hill in that book as no, well? No, no. Uh, Eve Coffin is from Coffin Hill, um, Coffin Hill, Massachusetts, named on her, the early settlers of the place, which are her. So she is the main character? She is the main character. Okay. Um, her descendants, or the descendants of the Coffins, is her. How many issues in are, is the series? Nine. I just, just 
Red issue number nine last week. Is it an ongoing or is there it's going to be an end to this? Um, I I'm not sure. Uh, I thought pretty early when Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples announced Saga, they announced the beginning and an end that it would be like why the last man or preacher it was definitive. I haven't heard anything about Coffin Hill in that regard, though I haven't gone and looked for information on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they seem to have a pretty slick thing going on. You know, it's a story about witches, and I feel like mainstream horror stuff is is big over the last so many years. A lot of vampires, you know, Secret Circle on WB, Witches of East End on Lifetime, that Salem show on um, WGN. A lot of witch stuff going on, but the Coffin Hill take on it is interesting for me because she's Eve Eve Coffin, the main girl. She's a cop, and she doesn't. She grew up in this really weird, weird, like super rich family who essentially runs Coffin Hill. And she she was a rebellious teen. She got into a lot of shit. She got a couple of her friends killed over witchcraft when she was a teenager, and she rebels against it. So she doesn't want to be a part of it, so she goes off to Boston and she becomes a police officer, pretty run-of-the-mill. But she'll still call upon these powers when she needs to. And the way that they tie the story back to certain ghosts of her past in Coffin Hill, um, it's been really good. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did, but I'm, I'm all in. That's very cool. Makes me want to check it out. Sounds... It sounds reminiscent of the um, Rachel Rising series, which you would probably like that a lot too. I think. Is that Terry Moore? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. Terry Moore. He draws sexy ladies, and I think a lot of them are naked in the book. And there's nudity in Coffin Hill. Uh, does he do nudity in. I don't know if I don't he does. I got issue one and two. I don't remember. Of Rachel Rising? Mm hmm. Did you like it? It was okay. It, it didn't hook me enough. No. Time. To stay on with it. Did you get Rachel Rising that? Mm-hmm. Are you still getting Rachel Rising? Mm-hmm. How many issues in is that? Low 20s. So I've read Coffin Hill. And um, this past weekend I blew through two BPRD trades. The old Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. Ah, yes. The old Hellboy spinoff. And, um... God damn. Is this book in mythology good? It's so deep... Right now, I mean, like, they're in a, like, it's, it's four and five on the covers here. But they're in the, at least, this has to be at least volume 10 or 11 of the entire series. And it's, it's, it's written like, it's written like Preacher's Written, or the Harry Potter series, where it seems like there is a definitive beginning and an end. It's written deliberately, they're taking you to certain places that that kind of says there's a beginning and an end to this. But I don't think that's the way Mike Mignola and Scott and, um, I guess Scott Alley and uh, John Arcuda, I don't think that's the way they're setting this up. I think they're just writing, and they just just keep going with it. Arcuda. But it's set up, like, they know what they're doing. They know this world. They're setting up, you know... They, um, what did you call the guys that are, oh, the watchdogs. Like, they're their own watchdogs for this stuff. Like, everything lines up between the Hellboy books, the BPRD books, the Abe Sapien books. You know, everything takes place around the same time in the same universe. 
you'll see characters in a BPRD book that first showed up in the Hellboy book. And, you know, they look the same, and you know where they're at in the timeline because you're like, oh, this guy lost his arm in Hellboy. Here we are in BPRD. He hasn't lost it yet. So, you know, we didn't catch up. Does Hellboy ever show up in these? In flashbacks. That's it? Yeah, BPRD, in the... In the, the bigger mythology of the Hellboy story, Hellboy quits the BPRD. Um, the BPRD uh, bigwigs use one of his buddies as a decoy. They load him with a bomb and they blow him up. And Hellboy's like, fuck that. I can't believe you did this to my buddy. I'm out. So he quits the BPRD after growing up in, in the organization. Right. And that's when the Splinter book starts off because no one else leaves. Abe Sapien, Liz Sherman... Um, Johan Krauss, everyone else is still in the BPRD. And that's that's where it picks up. And they introduce a bunch of new characters, and they've done a really good job with killing a couple guys or getting rid of some characters you didn't think they'd get rid of. And that, you know, whenever you do things like that, it creates tension with the reader because you never know what turn the book could possibly take. It makes the book better at that point. Yeah, and it's unpredictable. Right, and you think, all right, well, if they get rid of this guy... I'm out. But they find a way to bring in new characters that are just as interesting for different reasons. Um, like Agent Agent Devin in these latest BPRD books. When they first introduced Devin him, is a running theme right here. Right. They they introduce him really slowly. He's just a background guy. He shows up a couple different places. But in um, in Hell on Earth Volume Four, he's a big. He's a big part of the story. Um, maybe it isn't this one. Maybe it's the, it's the next one that Matt has. He's a huge part of that story. And you wind up um, you wind up really getting invested in this character. So, you know, the way that the way that, the way that the story is told so succinctly and with such attention to detail and where everything's going. You know, the, the neat Nick in me, the Danny Tanner in me, <laughs> likes the organization the of this kind of storytelling. And um, guys, the artists, I don't think, get a whole lot of credit. Like, it's, you wouldn't think that, like, when you open up the book and flip through it, you're like, yeah, that art isn't that great. But for the story that they're telling and the way it's told with, with the script, it's so good. I think that the comic fans that would appreciate something like that appreciate pacing and atmosphere and mood. The things that you're not going to get from your mainstream book because that's more pizzazz that's going to be brought to it. But a book like this needs a more delicate and nuanced touch. And I think the people that are going to pick up BPRD are going to appreciate something like that. Ian, it's interesting that you mentioned those things like pacing and atmosphere because I feel like those are two of the the biggest key components to the Nailbiter series from Image that has uh, really helped make that series one of my favorite things that I'm reading, just three issues in. I mean, I can see myself sticking with that book for a long time. It's a really, it's a really good book. I still haven't read it yet. I downloaded it the one night, and I still haven't gone all the way through. But I'll probably, it's probably something that I'm going to check out. Um, I think, I don't know if I said it while we were podcasting or afterward, but um, the the things that I've been reading lately, I haven't been reading my big Marvel titles. I haven't been reading 
my big DC books. It's all been um, image comic books. It's been self-published things. Stuff like that has, has been the real things that have been bringing me in and intriguing me. Maybe it's because we're getting a bunch of our big Marvel and DC heroes on the screen right now. Going, like, okay. going back to the hero's journey, I put out the call on Twitter. Give me some hero's journey stories. And uh, my good buddy Sean Tregesser uh, recommended the original Clash of the Titans. Oh, okay. Hero's Journey. I don't know if that's out in novel somewhere okay. for you to find. Uh, our friend Adrian recommended the Princess Bride. I know it. Classic Hero's Journey. That originally was a book. Was that a book first? I think so, yeah. And then there's also The, the Last Unicorn, which I think is kind of... That's a really disturbing one. You, um, The cartoon is what I'm familiar with. Oh, okay. The bull but, made out of fire that eats or like destroys things or something. I, I don't. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember when I was a kid. It that sounds unnerving. Yeah, it disturbs shit out of me. The last unicorn. Yeah, but um, you don't remember the last unicorn? I don't think I ever saw it. Really? That's not ringing any it, bells. It was an animated series. I feel like in the eighties there was there was more like independent kind of animated studios that could put stuff out. You know, um, what's the one with? I'm, I'm not think there's a, an American Tale, but what was the the one with? Um, there's an owl and there are mice, and it was really dark. Ratatouille. Not that. <laughs> in the eighties, it was a cartoon. Don Bluth. Um, American Tale. It's not. It was before that, though. But it was really the secret of Nim is oh, what okay. you, you guys remember that. I I want to say it was like the first okay. secret of Nim. Yeah, I own that one. So anyway, getting back to uh, Nailbiter, that's what I've been reading, and it like I said, it has been nothing short of completely entertaining. Although that final issue, there was a sequence in it. Frankly, I don't really understand exactly the way it plays out. They did it in a really uh, cool way that I sometimes like in comic books where all the panels are exactly the same one after another and then things are moving within each panel to show you like the sequence of action. And it just kind of confused me. They did a really cool job because they're in this morgue and the lights are flickering in the morgue so some of the panels would just be black and you would just see the glow of a computer screen. That's that atmosphere I'm talking about. And then there's a killer inside that like keeps getting closer to your main characters each time the lights come back on. And that's cool, but like all of a sudden he's not even there and then it makes me think like is he just hiding or I, I don't know. It was confusing to me. Matt, I'm really glad you were confused by that sequence of panels because I was in the same boat. Like, oh, I, really? By the time I got to the end, I didn't know. Like, by the end of that issue, I'm like, well, is there a real ghost in there? Or is it you know, I really hope not. I really hope that they don't go into supernatural territory with this. I kind of like everything being grounded. And that helps create that that atmosphere that you feel like really exists. Like, you could go to this town. You know, like... I think they do such a good job of creating this town in the fall time. Certain there was a panel. That, well, because in in the end of that panel, he stabs he stabs the mortician. 
Yeah. And they chase him outside. Which, by the way, we don't even know if that mortician was killed. Right. And by the time they get him outside, he's gone. And you kind of get the idea, all right, like, maybe he vanished. Like, corporeally vanished. Because of the way that he sort of vanished in the previous panels leading up to that. If he was just gone, if that if that sequence had been clearer initially before he stabs the mortician, I would have just assumed that he left his white cloak behind and he hid and yeah. he ran. But the way that it's presented, it does make you think maybe there's something kind of ghostly about him. I don't know. But with that said, that was still kind of a cool, creepy sequence for, you know, comic yeah. books yeah. tend to not be able to pull that off all that well. But, um... So just sticking with this horror theme for a minute, I, I just wanted to also mention one of the things that I've been up to. Um, I went to the exchange on um, on Saturday, and I dropped about twenty bucks at the exchange on a couple movies collections, and they were all horror movies. Um, I for the longest time had been wanting to see the um, the horror of Dracula the um, the Christopher Lee, the very first Christopher Lee Dracula, which, from what I've read, is not only the greatest Dracula movie ever, but it is considered the best horror movie ever. Um, and I was like, well, I gotta see that. So, I got that, and I was, I was at the checkout, and the guy was like, hey, no, 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 you don't want, you don't want just the horror of Dracula. We have, in the case back there, we have this plus the three other Christopher Lee versions of Dracula, it's two bucks more. I'm like, so I get what's four... What's $2? What's $2 for four movies instead of one movie for $7? So I was like, cool, show me. So we went back and I got that. But also while I was back there, I saw another collection of really shitty B-movie, like 1959 to like 1962 black and white drive-in just shit fests. Ten bucks for... No, eight bucks for ten movies. And, and it... Like, the titles alone are worth the price of admission. You got The Wasp Woman. Um, oh, fuck we- yes. I can't believe that you... Werewolf... Paid money for in Werewolf in the Girl's Dormitory. Um, yes! What's biography about me? (laughs) (laughs) Tormentor. Um, The Brain That Would Not Die. I mean, shit like that. I've heard about that one. Really? Yeah. And like, I mean, even even one of those. I mean, come on. If there's one decent one in there that's kind of fun. I mean, I I don't feel quite like that's the kind of piece of shit that I would want to like on a Friday night. You know, sit by myself on the couch and watch See, it. that's what I was... That was my question. I was like, so how did Matt Movie Night go? Did you you put it all up? Did you pop yourself um, some popcorn? No. Did well, you jammies? Well, Nick, actually, it doesn't sound all that bad now that you put it like that. Pretend like it's a drive-in theater. You sit down. Like, pull my car into my you living pull room. Pull your car in there. And and never get up the steps. Yeah. Maybe I can, like... Get a little Fisher Price steering wheel or something, <laughs> and put some blankets around it. But um, I don't know that that might be that might be a good double feature night. Driving in and out, man. Driving. Two at a time. Double feature. It they look really 
stupid and entertaining. Like, if you like that kind of thing, um, I do. I, I tend to be into that. So, kind of looking forward to some of those horror movies. I don't know what it is about July, man. It's turned into a Fright Fest. Horror. Horror Central. Well, well, well time was ultimately taken over by the softball club. But, yeah, I mean, we can't wait till October. We really can't. To get in some horror shit. Scare yeah. the crap out of each other again. I mean, the most horror-related thing that I've been reading is uh, Under the Dome, Stephen King. Not Don't a, spoil it! Not, I won't spoil it, but not a lot of um, yeah, phantoms and ghouls, but a lot of bad turns by your everyday people that you think are generally good people and things that happen to them and the way that they react to a situation when you're enclosed in your own town and you only have the resources that are in that town and the only government that matters are the people that you run into every day. So, um, Our big Jim Rennie. What big channel Jim is Jim Rennie is a gangster, man. See, it's on CBS, but... Or, is it CBS? Yeah, CBS. Um, but the TV show, which I've been catching up on as well, which is also available if you have Amazon uh, Prime. You can watch the first season and then catch up to the second season. Oh, they're on, on season now. two. They're on season two. Just started. I would say if you want to experience the best part of this, um, read the book, download it on Audible, listen to it. That's what you're going to want to go with. The TV series deviates from the main plot of the uh, of the book very quickly. The book only takes place within maybe six or seven days, whereas the TV series stretches it out for a long time. And I things like go. I can tell wrong. I would hate the TV series. Already. Yeah, yeah. Don't even watch the TV series. Uh, if uh, I'm enjoying it because I I really like those characters and I want more of it. So it's not taking away from the experience I had with the book. And I'm but, enjoying it because I'm a TV guy. And I, I enjoy pretty well done television. But you're also under the dome. But you're also a long form story telling yeah, person, and you like character development. And the book gets into that more so than anything. I think that the way the things I go, like character development. I know you do, but I but think you that like, you like character development in 120 minutes. I think that the way that character development goes is it's you know you get your broadest stuff in your movies, uh, and then you move down. That's, this is my opinion. What about movies? Okay. I, I do like movies, but Game of Thrones. I watched Game of Thrones since our last podcast. I did the entire season. I'm in. I'm invested. I it's a, we're not painting you into a corner. We're just saying that the things that you usually like are you like the style of the film. You like the impact of a big bold story, and that's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there is. There's it's bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But you go, you, you take your film, that's where you're going to get the least amount of development. You go into your TV, you're going to get a lot, you have a lot of hours to work with there. You go into your book or your comic book, and that's where you're going to have it really filled in. Because you can talk about a character and get into their thoughts all day long with a book or a comic book. And uh, th- those are the things that I enjoy. I like a movie as well. But, um, but yeah, for the horror portion of that, that's... That's what I've been. So you've been you've been pretty balls deep in um, in Under the Dome for a while now. Yeah. What's your next reading project? It better be horror. That's a, that Under the Dome is a, is a substantial project. It was on Audible. I don't know what it was 
in hard form, in you know the paperback or the hardback or whatever. I don't know how many pages it was, but it was thirty hours of listening um, in Audible, which I did in a week. But I did it listening to it almost all the time because I was engaged. I was wanting to know what happened. I'd sit there and we'd have TV on, and instead of watching TV, I'd put my my earbuds in and I draw and I'd listen to my book because I was I was wrapped up. I needed to know what was going to happen. Um, generally, an audio book is around seventeen hours something, so it was a pretty lengthy listen. Mm-hmm. So that that was what I was into. I'm currently on uh, The Martian, which I talked about before. Comic book wise, the the past the the thing that I've been into the most recently was um, The Private Eye which is a all-digital comic book. It's on panelsyndicate.com. You can go check it out there. It's brought to you by creators that I talked about before, uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Marcus Martin, who were responsible for Doctor Strange's The Oath. This book is about a pretty... It's not a distant future. It's probably a future within 50 years from now, where the Internet is gone. People look down upon... uh, Digital, you know, digital cameras, recorders, computers, all types of things like that that would be really popular now because of um, something that happened called the flood, where everybody's dirty digital secrets were all released to the public and everybody found out what everybody was talking about in their email, their text messages, the, all the things that we hide every day were released to everybody. People lost their jobs, families were destroyed. All this stuff from these secrets that people hide on their with their computers and their mobile devices. So now in this future, things have changed. People have gone back to a little bit more simple living style. There's still magnet cars and technological advances, but people choose to stay. You know, there is no internet. They the way that people hide now is. They put masks on and go through their daily lives. The library is a very popular place for um, information. And private eyes and and, uh, detectives are a big, important thing in the society where you have to find out who people are because they wear a mask all day. You have no idea who people are. And there's synthetic skin out there and um, augmentations where you can't tell who people are that you interact with every single day. So... The main character is a private eye who's hired to investigate a woman who ends up uh, getting murdered. The private detective uh, still continues to try to find out who murdered this woman, who she was, and uncovers uh, a whole bunch of different things. The biggest thing that I found interesting about this book was it's completely digital. It's it, it's um, offered up in a way that you can pay it whatever you want for the book. Uh, if you don't feel like it's worth anything, you can pay nothing. If you feel like it's worth the standard price of the comic book, you can pay that. It was all designed to fit a digital screen or a tablet. So all the pages kind of flow along in a way that makes sense for for a tablet. Um, and uh, like I said before, it's, it's brought to you. It's not just any kind of creators. It's to the top creators, I feel, in the comic book industry that are producing this book. You can also buy or or just download the behind-the-scenes book. It's about 30 pages 
of story about their it's the emails that happened between Brian K. Vaughn and Marcus Martin about their thoughts about developing this product and what it should be, the sketchbooks behind it, um, all the all the little details that build this comic book um, and and fill in the story. And it it's been the most engaging thing that I've found in Where did you past. hear about this at? I typed because in Because I first heard about it on McSauce.com. That's where everybody first hears about stuff, but right? I read Sauce's suggestions for last week. Um, I can't suggest it highly enough. Man. Where did you hear it? I heard it. I typed in uh, as part of the thing that I'm trying to do with um, suggesting books. I know that you are pretty diligent with reading and keeping up with up to all the up-to-date things that are on your pool list. I'm trying to dive a little deeper and find different things. Honestly, I just typed in best comics of 2013 and that's one of the things that popped up. And it's, like I said, it's not a physical book that you can buy anywhere. You have to go on panelsyndicate.com. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a specific thing. You know, when that popped up, I was like, what the fuck is he doing? So, uh, Ian, I think most of our listeners, the question they have is, what did you pay for this? I paid $2 for each book, and I bought seven of them, as well as the companion piece, the behind-the-scenes book, because I was I was all in, man. It's a really good story. It's interesting to see the take on the future without technology, basically, and how people mask themselves in real life um, every single day. It's it, I I thought it was intriguing. So you buy it right there off of the iBook store. You go. You can go to their site. You can download a PDF from their site, and you can choose to send it to your iBooks. If you like, and it's cool. it's just a simple PDF. There's no um, there's no guided view or anything like that. But I think that it's still presented in a way because it's the way that um, Marcus Martin designed it. It's to fit the page, and you can also just read it right off of their site. You can scroll up, and it it all fits. It all looks really well. Uh, it's really well detailed. And, well, um, I'll say it's really well detailed. There's a solid penis right there that we see. I've drawn better penises that have gotten blurred it's a, out on it's a, Sauce before. It's a, that's a super sloppy <laughs> penis. That's terrible. That's that's the worst penis. So all Sauce comic strip readers know, before a strip gets blurred out, there is an actual well-rendered penis behind there in the actual artwork. Or breasts and vagina. Or breasts and vagina. Which may have only happened once, in one strip. Yeah, um, it was the Warcraft one that you wrote. Mm-hmm. One of the rare tandem joints that we did, where I drew the women on the cards, and you We're wrote due. drew everything else. We're due. That one and the historic Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, sexy Jedi Knight. Go back in the archives, folks. Check it out. Matt, is there anything you would like to add tonight? Hmm. I don't think so. I feel like we've covered it all, don't you? I think that the fans were starving. We gave them a buffet of knowledge, wisdom, and entertainment tonight. McSauce Book Club. 
bringing it straight to you. I wish I had read some recent novel to offer up some real, real book club. I think we did a good job. There's summer reading part two. I'm burning summer, through. Summer reading update. Burning through these BPRDs because they're so good. Once I get into one, I can't put it down. And how cool is the title? The Pickens County Horror. That's pretty cool. That's, That's a cool. good title. Pretty cool. Maybe in August we'll have it won't summer be. reading part three. And we'll update you on the thrilling novels that we'll do. And then the finale there in the beginning of September. That's going to wrap up episode 64, tying that old comic smell in episode numbers. For now, until next week. <laughs> I didn't say it. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Casal. We'll see you next week. Yeah, is that inappropriate? No, as long as it's your penis and it's your butthole. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, I love it.